Hi and welcome back to SGTV. Today we are doing another episode part of our mini-series for Job Roots for Electricians. Where we'll be talking to various electricians in the industry about the different routes you can take, such as domestic, commercial, industrial, agricultural, rail, and many more that I've forgotten now, but... Today, we're going to be talking about renewables. Um, so this is something um, that's probably going to be a big thing going forward, especially um, in today's age. And today, we're going to be talking to Sam Featherstone. So Sam, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. You are part of uh, Oval Renewables. Um, so is that is that your company? It is, yeah. Thanks very much for, for having me. Yeah, um, Oval Renewables is my company. Um, and that means I bear all the, the good parts and the bad parts. So it's, you're to blame then? I'm to blame for yep. the good parts. So try, try and shift the blame <laughs> on if I can for the bad parts, but yeah. luckily there's not too many of those. Yeah, no, thank you for joining us today. It's, uh, it's good to have you on. Um, renewables is something I've, we've sort of touched on bits and bobs with different people in different conversations, but it's I think it's something I've been looking forward to, to have a, an episode solely on renewables. And with it being part of the job routes for electricians, uh, mini series. I think it's a good opportunity to go into depth, especially about the career opportunities as well. Um, so, just as a start off, could you just tell us a bit about yourself, how you, the training you started out, and how you wound up into renewables? Yeah, so I, I think my my training really started the same way that a lot of um, young electricians uh, start. Really, there's nothing majorly special about it. I uh, when I was at, at school, it was kind of that age old thing. Do you go to sixth form and go through university or do you go down more of a hands on route through apprenticeships uh, and things like that? And, and to be truthful, I, I have no idea. I, I'm not one of these that has had this vision of going, right, you know, electrics is for me ever since I was you know 13 or something like that. I, I really wasn't too sure. I come from a very hands on family. Like my dad's a joiner. Uh, my uncle my uncle and my cousin are plumbers like we've kind of got a lot of hands-on family members really um, and so it got to that kind of uh, that kind of like d-day what do I do do I go down the university route or do I go down the the apprenticeship route and unfortunately I, I felt it, it it was very much at school um, weighted towards everybody going down the university route and I didn't really know what I wanted to do at university and I found myself kind of going down the university route um, and it was my dad really that, that said well have you thought about looking at going down the more hands-on route I think he maybe saw that I quite enjoyed doing that side of thing with working with him and because I'd left it quite late really to decide I uh, uh, I actually signed on with JTL training um, who were in luckily they had like a real big centre in, um, in Moulton where I roughly where I lived and uh, I got signed on kind of last minute with them and one of the one of the conditions with getting set on with them was uh, actually to be employed uh, because I'd left it so late it, it was I, I couldn't actually get employed so I actually had to start doing my electrical apprenticeship with my dad doing joinery so that okay. <laughs> that in itself was a little bit um, a little bit daunting and, and made me feel a little bit out of place to be honest when I when I first started but Luckily, with the help of JTL, I um, uh, I managed to find a, a electrician that was would take me on uh, fairly quickly. After that, I think it was only a couple of months that I was I was actually doing my uh, electrical apprenticeship with my dad doing joinery. So, yeah, kind of got through there and just absolutely loved it. De easily within the first month or two, realised that I'd made the right decision with going down this route. Um, and. Uh, as soon as we started to go down that route and I started working with an electrician uh, based in Scarborough, uh, like I said, just started to really absorb everything that I was learning. And that company then uh, started to diversify, really. Um, it was the time of solar panels popping up on everybody's roofs uh, that, that people may remember. And uh, the company that I was working for kind of started doing that as well. Uh, but luckily, I got I got employed by one of the good companies that weren't one of the rogue traders that kind yeah. of were hit and run. Um, and so they really supported me putting through, putting me through my solar training and everything like that. Um, and, uh, and then I basically took over the electrical side of that company eventually, uh, which was, uh, which was really, really cool. Um, so that's, yeah, a little bit. So I went from not knowing what I wanted to do, 
to do an electrical apprenticeship in joinery, <laughs> which is strange, and then uh, finally getting on with a uh, electrician and starting my path kind of properly. But I can't tell you the relief when I got on with an electrician because I felt finally at home um, yeah. on my uh, electrical apprenticeship. And then, so how long was you employed for before you set up on your own? So um, oh, how long would it be? Well, I did my entire apprenticeship, which was the four years. Um, I'd say probably a couple of extra years after that. Uh, so I think I was probably around 20, 21. Um, I probably say 21 when I when I kind of set up on my own. Um, no, it must have been a bit later. It, it'll have been a bit later. Yeah, what now? Twice the days merge into one so much. It feels like only yesterday. But um, yeah, I'll have been maybe 23, 24, something like that when I uh, set up on my own. Um, so from 16 to 24 uh it was a wild journey doing so many different things like that that company that i started with doing the renewables side they hit hard times with the feeding tariff dropping out and uh unfortunately they couldn't support me in my apprenticeship so i had to go and work at another company based in york which was where i now live and um uh, that gave me the experience of not doing renewables and doing back into sort of domestic and commercial um electrical work and even though I did enjoy doing the work I just didn't have that passion for it that I do with renewables so it, it kind of helped with that because it it made me think have I just settled for renewables because that's what the company is that, that I'm working for that's what they're doing or is it um is it a case that I genuinely have a passion for it um and getting that experience outside of renewables really helped me to go now this yeah. is um and so I actually managed to get employed back at that other company um that, that was just doing renewables after a year or so this this uh the, the company that weren't doing renewables um which then allowed me to sort of kind of take over the electrical side and then they actually then decided that they were going to shut down um not through any sort of bankruptcy or anything which everyone kind of automatically assumes it was just a case that they were they'd, they'd basically done what they wanted to do and they wanted to shut down so it actually timed really well because um, because I'd been with them for a couple of years at that point. I got a nice redundancy package of around three three grand, so that was like a real good injection of cash to actually start my own my own journey up. Yeah. And, uh, bit of a silver start. line into the scenario. It was, yeah. At the time, it was a little bit like, oh, this is you know, this is such a shock. Um, but that looking back now with hindsight, it's like it was just the perfect timing because I was kind of getting itchy feet anyway. And I thought, well, is now a good time to jump and um, to do it on my own. But of course, if I'd left, I wouldn't have got that redundancy package. So uh, it really did time time well um, with what I wanted to do anyway. And it was that junction of do I go down and get a big, uh, go down the employment route and get another job, or do I go in and, take the and leap, try yeah. and get yeah take the leap? So I thought, well, I've got nothing to lose. I've got this three grand that I can put into the company. Um, and worst case scenario is I lose that redundancy money, which I didn't have in the first place. So, yeah. like I say, it, it, it did time really well for me. That's quite impressive. I mean, I know a lot of people won't. People that have gone self-employed haven't done so until they're at least in the thirties. And three grand in the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot to get set up no. on. I know people that have saved up to a year's worth of wage as a buffer. Because, you know, people are saying, oh, it can take you a year to build up your client base. You want a year's worth of money in the bank. So yeah. three grand, I'll take my hat off yeah. to you. Yeah, I mean, the three grand was a, it was a good injection onto what I did have, um, did have saved uh, anyway uh, to a degree. Because like a lot of people watching this, they're electricians. Um, they'll be doing work. They're employed. They'll be doing work on the side, probably that maybe they don't want to admit to. But um, you know, they get you get the goofy jobs that you're doing, and and just through saving through the, your wages and stuff, it, it was kind of one of those where I wanted to make sure I was ready for going self-employed. But the three grand really was a, a good lift, and it was kind of like, well, I'll spend that three grand first before I spend any of this saving, and then see see where we get to. But because I'd built up a bit of a customer base anyway through doing jobs on the weekends and and things like that that it, it gave me a little bit of a customer base anyway and and through family connections with everyone being quite hands-on it, it, I was able to reach out to quite a few people quite quickly to uh, to get that sort of experience uh, sort of the customer base quite quickly really so um so yeah it was it was good and everything kind of fell into place at that time where the they, they were on about uh, making us all redundant yeah 
And uh, I mean, this is something we, we try and keep reiterating. Like you've just said, you've, you've um, for no fault of your own, you had to sort of go off into different sectors, found it weren't for you. And people might be starting out in certain sectors thinking it's not for them. And that we want to make people aware there are so many different avenues you could take. And it yeah. might be what completely, you know, excuse the pun, but sparks your interest in, in the industry or a certain way. And uh, that's what we love. And, um, yeah. But you, you said you've got a real passion for, for renewable. So what, what, what is it? What draws you to it? Now, I, I, get asked this, I get asked this a few times, really, about uh, what is it that you love so much about renewables? And I think the expected answer is always, um, I want to save the planet. I want to you know, reduce my own carbon footprint and I want to do that, which is all true. And, and I do have a big passion for that side of things. But it comes down to something a lot, lot simpler, really, is that I like installing cool equipment and new, new equipment and new technology. And if, you, if you're the same as me and you, you want to install new equipment and new technology, there is literally no better industry to be in than renewables. Mm-hmm. Because literally week to week, as we're pricing jobs, we're using different equipment because the equipment that we maybe priced you know, a month ago has now been a new version of it has been uh, introduced. And so suddenly, you know, you, you, there's new equipment coming out all the time and it, there's just, yeah, I'm going to start that bit again. But, uh, That's fine. But there's new equipment coming out all the time, which means that um, your, day-to-day, uh, your day-to-day interaction with equipment is different because one minute you're fitting one type of equipment, then next there's a new model come out with different features, higher capacities, um, and of course, new cha- new new technologies like EV charging. How quickly has that become this mm. this massive industry where um, where everybody seems to be you know calling out for installers and and, and things and and it kind of just jumped from nowhere. Um, I remember badgering my the company that I was working with the renewables company to put me on the EV charger uh, course, and I didn't actually do a, an EV charger job until I left and. Uh, started over with renewables so they kind of paid for the course and i've always felt a little bit guilty about this but they they, they paid for the course and then i didn't actually do a, an ev charger install until i'd created um oval so um you know i could see that that was going to become huge but it kind of crept up and then suddenly it was like boom like there's all these jobs that need doing and it is just yeah. how these things creep up um so with with the ev charging i mean there's loads of things i want to pick your brains at you know solar winds thermal all this kind of stuff but with the ev charging most people i speak to who have had involvement in it just don't want to do it again because of you know government uh paperwork and uh, funding and all this kind of thing and how overcomplicated and poorly planned it is so how how do you find it so EV charging uh, is going through, in my view, quite an interesting period at the minute because it, I personally think it's moving from a specialist, uh, a specialist industry, to standard run of the mill, um, and that isn't because of anything the installers are doing. It, it's because of the equipment. So back in the day when I was fitting, uh, when I started fitting electric vehicle chargers. It was earth rods. Look at your distances from supply, from supplies for your, you know sinking your earth rods in. Look at your you know other earthy systems on site, you know, and all these uh, RCD requirements. Which there still is that you know type those things to look out for. But because the equipment has has, has jumped on so far and so quickly, it's kind of removed some of that headache from installers. Um, so for me, uh, I've had fairly positive. Uh, fairly positive interactions with electric vehicle charging jobs i think mainly because we don't we don't really pretend to be or try to be the cheapest so you know if if a job hits a bit of a rough patch because there's something that uh, has caused us to be there a bit longer because we've not we've not tried to be the cheapest on the job we're we're more to do with quality and things that the you know we can usually do that no extra cost to the customer and, and things whereas i think with some other companies that are just trying to bang out as many EV charges as they can, which is fine. If that's your business model, it, it doesn't allow much wiggle room for the being problems. But you mentioned about the grants, the OZ grants. And if you go on Facebook and, and look up the uh, electric vehicle charging group or anything like that, uh, I can guarantee about 90% of the, of the comments are about 
delayed payments uh, from OZEV. Um, so if you've got the current rate is £350. So as an installer, um, you get paid from OZEV uh, a £350 per install, uh, as long as the customer is um, eligible for it. Um, now, there's been a section of, of mass delays, which like everything, COVID's had a part to play and things. Um, and so for a company like myself, which we're not, you know, not a huge, huge, massive company that can afford to take on all these delayed payments, it is a bit stressful, but it's one of those things and we're lucky enough to be doing loads of different types of uh, technology. So if, if we had a bit of a delay with some EV charging payments, then we've probably got some batteries or some solar installs that are coming in and paying the, paying the wages and things. But I do feel for companies that are specialist EV charging companies because they are very reliant on that. So, so that's to, in, that's to incentivize installers to, to put them in. It's to incentivize um, homeowners more than anything because well, how it how it works is uh, you get uh, you have to the customer basically has to have uh, an accredited charge point fitted uh, installed by an accredited installer um, and be eligible their home has to be eligible for the grant so that's off street parking uh, certain positions of charges and, and things like that um, and they as an installer we would say um, you know your charge point price is X. Um, with the OZEB grant, so we effectively take off £350 from our charge point price to you. Uh, so the customer effectively gets it at £350 less. So we then eventually get the top end price, you know, the, the original price, because we get topped up from OZEB. So it's there to incentivise uh, homeowners and business owners. There is the um, workplace charge scheme as well, which is to do with uh, incentivising business owners to... Uh, move their fleet, their their uh, fleet vehicles to electric, and provide charging facilities for employees and things like that. Um, so they get three hundred and fifty pounds per charge point. And someone will maybe correct me, but I'm sure it's around forty-one or forty-two charges per site that they can get. So they can get a lot of money. That's quite a lot, three, isn't it? Yeah. Three hundred and fifty pounds times uh, forty odd charges is is a chunk of a chunk of money. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, there is there is money out there, um, but uh, but yeah, I know that uh, quite a few people I chat to are having a little bit of trouble with with grants. But I know a couple of hours have started to come in a bit quicker. So whether or not they're working through this backlog now, um, and it's just one of those things. Anything government government based, we don't even have to think about the green homes grant and stuff like that to to know that there are problems when the government try to do things. And so yeah, I think this is just one of those little. Uh, little areas where hopefully they manage to get it sorted out so that companies like myself and, and others don't suffer these delays in payments. Yeah. Um, let's, let's go on to solar. This is something I'm, um, I'm very interested in. And for me, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 odd years ago, uh, maybe longer, we started seeing the emergence of solar panels here and there. Um, not, for, not, not as popular as they are now um, and still not as popular as they could be, I think. Um, back then, you had all sorts of tariffs, didn't you? So if you had them on, you'd get a discount on inst installation. You'd get uh, money back if you're producing enough to go back into the grid. And I always, I always use the sort of grand designs um, analogy because if you look at any of these house building shows, even if they're not building grand designs, if, if they're just building a new home, most of the ones you see on TV, they've built it within a reasonable budget and they've put solar panels on or even a small wind turbine. And I just keep thinking, why aren't we doing that as standard? Um, so I don't know. What do you do? You think it's down to the technology, legislation, energy companies, or is it a bit of everything? I think uh, everything's got a part to play. But I mean, if we're real about this situation, it does come down to financials. And you know, as as much as as much as we all want to be green, and a lot of the stuff I do in my personal life and in as a business we have this green outlook and we want to reduce our carbon and we want to be seen as, as doing the right thing um at the same time we don't want to be bankrupt uh you know and that goes for anyone not just anyone that's selling solar or anything like that so for somebody looking to have solar installed um that there has to be a financial element as to can we afford to have this system in um so that's why we try and work to people's budgets and things but certainly for um for, for the mass 
area to try and answer your question as to what is is you know what's causing that uh what's trying to drive that that um what's trying to drive that uh, incentives to to get people into installing solar and why we are putting every, every property having to have solar and things like that is is down to financials but it's down to right can i fit enough panels on my roof is my roof facing the right way so south is you know we're trying to get the panels on the south roof is if possible east west works really well as well uh, north you can put panels on the north roof but it doesn't tend to work very well just because it's it's the direct opposite uh, angle to the sun um and i think as well aesthetics people are putting people are putting back in the day you know tens of hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of uh, of investment into into a property you know if it is there a grand designs home or even if it isn't you know everyone has different economies of, of scale and, and everyone has this different pricing bracket. And if you're putting 50 grand, 60 grand, 160 grand into a property, and then you're sticking panels on the top of it, some people love the look of them. Some people hate the look of them. And I think that's one of the real big uh, changes that has happened over the past 10 years is the aesthetics of the panels themselves. So for new build sake, for example, we try to get people to put the panels inset into the roof. So that's where you have your panel kind of there and your, your tiles finish kind of just about so the everything's same. nice and flush. Yeah, yeah. And and that that makes the installation look so much neater um, and and nicer and removes the problem of any birds nesting underneath them and, and stuff like that. Um, so I think aesthetics has got to has got has plays a big part and with the all black modules now where look really sleek um they really help people to go actually they, they don't look as ugly as as uh, as we used to see them as some people i've never minded the look of them to be honest but i kind of i i'm kind of a little bit biased um that a little bit but uh, the old ones were like the blue modules with the big silver frames and the white uh, sort of dividers and things whereas now we're, we're moving towards a a black um an all black panel yeah is uh look, looks a lot better um but uh, again i think it would be great if everybody could have solar or wind or something like that and i think as time goes on uh, people will start to make the shift more for the green reasons and if there becomes carbon taxes and things like that which have been proposed then then i think more people will make that jump into it but the equipment that's come down in cost so much as well and the efficiency of the products as well. Yeah, yeah, the efficiency of the products has, has gone up. Um, the cost of the products has come down. Um, there's just no better. There's no better time really to, to invest in solar. So, what about the sort of um, the the costs uh, where you can recoup it as a homeowner? Let's say. Mm. Um, I mean, because I I imagine people like yourself who are doing this, you having to you're having to sell it to a customer um, yeah. in an honest way where you can say. Mm. Let's say, for example, your your energy consumption from the grid is twelve hundred pounds a year. For example, um, I don't I don't know the, the 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 costs of having someone come in and install on a, on an average semi detached house with panels and inverter batteries that kind of thing. I mean, so how how many years, for example, would you have to say to a customer that it will take to to recoup that cost, and then you'll be basically having free energy. So this is a this is a tricky question, and when people ask me, I I always try to make them aware that I'm not trying to dodge the question because it's horrendous a horrendous answer. I'm, I'm giving an honest answer to it, and the honest answer is it totally depends on the property itself. If you've got a property where it's a little bungalow um, and there's you know one you're living on your own or something like that, you know you've got a gas you've got a gas hob. Uh, and you're basically a very low user of energy, then on the financial side, solar maybe won't work for you. Um, or it, it'll work as a system, but the payback may not be may not be as good as someone that's got an electric vehicle, an air source heat pump, electric showers, um, maybe looking to put an extension on with electric underfloor heating, you know, all these things that that go through people's minds, then solar becomes okay, so I can fit solar and a battery. Um, and start to really take a chunk of that uh, of that consumption out. So uh, typically, if I try and compare now and uh, back when the, the feeding tariff was around, the energy, the cost of an install back in 
the kind of heyday of solar uh, when when everyone was getting the feeding tariff was maybe anywhere between 15 to 20 grand something like that for a four kilowatt system whereas now we're down at anywhere between four and seven really so really? It, it's come down a huge amount um is that with is that setups that include inverters and batteries because i understand that there's two two main setups isn't there with solar you can either use what you produce in there and then or you can store with batteries can't you yeah so with the, that that those prices were uh, solar only just so that because back in the day where solar was uh, with the feeding tariff there weren't really any battery systems out there there were there were some but you were talking astronomical pricing uh, for batteries because it, as the industry has improved and developed there was kind of like this as everyone's had batteries for a few years they saw that they were exporting so much power they were thinking well how the hell do we start to use this when we're at work and that's where batteries have, have, have come in as well as energy diverters um, to heat your hot water when you've got power going back to the grid through your immersion heater um, so so for, for a battery system a fairly standard battery system you may be talking anywhere between five to eight grand for a battery system so it all depends on the, the kit that you use we don't we don't like to use kind of like the cheapest of the cheap systems we have um we have some sort of a premium option and a slightly more budget option but both options that we sell um we we've tested the um we've tested the procedure of if something goes wrong because a lot of people don't like to talk about that but it's electronics electrical equipment it's like your dish it's your dishwasher it's your washing machine things go wrong and it's only this it's exactly the same with inverters and and batteries so we want to make sure that you know when when something does go wrong we can get you assist your system back up and running as quickly as possible um but the, the technology's moved on so so much but one point i'd like to make on uh when looking at getting a solar pv system is that when you when you're looking at systems out there if you've got a big roof and you go well based on my current energy consumption a three kilowatt system is, is gonna give me the best uh, payback time there's no point in me spending you know an extra couple of grand on putting a big six kilowatt system or an eight kilowatt system on because i simply don't have the consumption to soak up that much generation now you do get paid for your export so you do get paid to send that power back to the grid it's around anywhere between three and five p so it is less than if you were able to use that power because obviously now nowadays we're going to be on anywhere between 17 and 21 p for buying power in so if you can use that power you're saving that 17 to 21 p but the, the point I want to make is that when you're looking at investing in solar, think about where your home's going to be over the next 10 years. If, if you're fairly comfortable in that house and you're thinking, well, I'm going to be here for the next 10 years. Um, I know I am. This is the family home. We've got a young kid or whatever. The young kid's going to grow up and use all this energy. Um, and also, we're maybe going to make the transition to electric vehicle over the next couple of years. Gas boilers on its last legs. We might look at putting an air source heat pump in in the next five years. All of those pieces of equipment need power and they need a chunk of power as well. And over the past month or two, we've seen some major, um, some major price hikes. Uh, only yet, was it today or yesterday, the, the, the main cable from, uh, from, from uh, GB to, uh, to France caught fire. And that's going to, that's for 2020 uh, until 2022, I think they're not going to be able to repair it. And it's going to take that long to repair it. And that's going to spike prices because we can't import cheap electricity from, from France. So all of this is based on when we're looking at when we're sat in someone's house, going through the energy that they're going to save, we're comparing it on their current situation. But we're not going to stay like this for long. We're yeah. all moving to electric vehicles. We're all moving to heat pumps. It's difficult to gauge, to, I guess, isn't it? It is. It is very difficult. And and I think what you have to you have to be real and work to people's budgets um, because you don't want to provide them a system that is just you know ten times their budget and they just get really demoralised. We want to try and work to their budget whilst keeping in mind, right? Okay, three kilowatt will work now, but six kilowatt will mean that in mean that you'll be fairly covered for when you decide to make the transition to electric vehicle or. Uh, electric heating like an air source heat pump or electric heating in general so let, let's talk on the air source heat pumps then because mm. um i keep i'm not hearing good things about them um and yeah. from quite various sources um i'm hearing that they can be good they can be good for certain new builds 
Um, retrofitting them into older properties can be quite problematic. Um, and the efficiency, the actual how, how good they are, um, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I'm, this is more hearsay from what I'm saying, so I'd like, I'd like to hear your opinion on it. Yeah, so as a company, uh, we, we are currently fitting the SRC pumps, um, mainly because we're in an electrical background. I would love to be fitting air source heat pumps right now. Uh, the challenges we're facing is trying to keep the quality up when we're uh, working with other companies. That's not to say that we think we're better than other companies, but it just means that we're bringing other companies in means that I, we can't control the, the quality of work. And so we're we're trying to find um, other companies that want to work with us on the plumbing side to deliver really high quality installs. So I fitted quite a few air source heat pumps when I was employed. And they are really good, but they're a totally different way to heat your house. Um, so you're talking on a gas boiler, maybe a, a circulation temperature around your radiators, of maybe anywhere between 60 and 70 degrees, something like going around your radiators, somewhere near there. And when you're looking at an air source heat pump, you're maybe talking 50 max uh, going around your radiators. That means you need bigger radiators. Underfloor heating works a dream with it because that only maybe operates at around 40 degrees anyway, going around your, your, your pipes under your floor. So it, it's a totally different way to heat your home. So new builds are perfect because the other thing that we've got to consider with air source heat pumps is how do we trap as much of that heat in the home as possible? And when it's a new build, you know, they can put extra insulation in. They can make sure that, um, you know, all the windows are double or triple glazed. It's very, it's more cost effective to do that at that new build stage. A bit like the solar side, you know, it's, it's, it's cheaper and easier to install that at new build stage. So I think there has to be a focus on what we force new builds to do and um, to make these homes future ready. But uh, when we try and retrofit uh, air source heat pumps, we're looking at, right, what sort of insulation have we got? What sort of uh, windows have we got? How efficient is the home with with regards you know is there is the hole is the loft insulated or full of holes and 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 so it does provide challenges and as well you know you've got to have much larger radiators if you're on a radiator system to to allow there to be the same amount of heat output from that radiator at 40 50 degrees as there is at 70 uh, uh, 60 70 degrees so there are major changes it isn't just like putting a an air source heat pump outside your, you know, in your, in your garden, and then you know just just piping it in, and then that's it all done. There does have to be, there do have to be assessments done to the property to see right. Well, we need to put, you need to put loft insulation in, change the windows, and all of this, which are all positive things to do for the house. But it, it again, like I mentioned right at the start, it comes down to money. Yeah. Um, and there are there are the green um, the renewable heat incentive where you get paid um i believe it's for seven years to um to actually heat your home via these means i don't have all the exact details on that because like i say we we don't fit those at the minute but there are some really good incentives out there for people to invest in this equipment if they want to go down that route yeah i think a lot of them that aimed at um low-income families or yeah um that kind of thing aren't they but do you do you think by the introduction of these ground 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 source heat pumps um do you think that that's going to be taking um some of the business away from plumbers and bringing it into the electrical industry see there's with, with the air source and ground source heat pumps most of it is plumbing based so if anything i think um uh, there'll actually be a lot more work uh, for plumbers on that side of things however we have when we're chatting to other electricians, like I love heating systems. I, I I absolutely love diving into heating system, wiring all the zone valves up, getting it all working. But other electricians maybe hate that side of it. And so going into uh, air source heat pump side of things does involve getting your hands dirty with heating systems. Um, so it depends if you like that side of the work. But I would say uh, the heating system side is a big area where the, where electricians can get involved and also the supplies to these things are, are, can be fairly chunky as well um, so th there are there is a lot of work for electricians um, with air source and ground source heat pumps all the sensors and stuff so and it's like I mentioned that I like this industry because it's cool you know you for me the, the best thing a new system and going right please please let me hope I've got all the sensors in the right place am I getting all the readings I should be 
uh, and then feeling that radiator and feeling the heat coming through and you're thinking that's all driven from electric and then this fan running outside or this pump ring you know circulating the water around um under the ground and and somehow we've got heat in this property the water's the water's getting heated uh, the radiators are getting heated a bit like when we turn a solar pv system on it still doesn't get old when we turn it on and then suddenly we see you know a kilowatt is being generated and we're like from the sun you know we all have access to it yeah i find it i, find, I do find it really fascinating and especially some of the you know like you say you're talking about pumps and fans and thermals and a lot of it is quite simple technology, really. It's been around for ages. It's just now being utilised in, in such an interesting way that it's heating your homes and fueling your homes, which is quite cool. Um, but what, what about wind turbines or that kind of thing? Um, because I'm seeing, I'm seeing somewhere you've got these big, massive ones. If you've got a big property, um, installers are putting big wind farms down the bottom of the, the garden. And some people... In smaller properties, they're having you know something you could hold in your hand attached to them uh, to the apex of their home. So is that something you you guys are doing? So we've had a massive demand for domestic wind turbines. We must get a couple of messages a week uh, asking asking if we fit domestic wind turbines. Um, the easy answer is we don't at the minute. Uh, but again, this is what I go back to: it's ever changing, and you've got to be. Uh, you've got to try and keep your finger on the pulse of where people's heads are at with, right, okay. And it's usually people that have got solar as well that are like, right, okay, so I'm generating power during the day, putting that into my battery. Overnight, my car's charging, my air source heat pump comes on because I'm maybe paying less for the power, but there may not be. Um, how can I generate power during the night? And the only way to do that really is uh, either hydro, which is you know just a uncomprehendable amount of money to you know damn your local stream or something to divert power to your to your house so so the only option really then is is to go down the wind route um so domestic wind turbines i think will start to play quite a large part um over the next i don't think it's been the next couple of years i think it's been over the next five years probably five years and onwards uh, we really start to push on the uh, domestic wind turbines because there's there are some planning rules around wind turbines as you might expect um but i think when 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 the planners start to relook at that legislation about planning rules and and how to make it easier for people to um to actually gain access to winds like little domestic one two kilowatt wind turbines then hopefully it starts to really drive demand there but when we've looked at it when we've had maybe some existing customers that have, have got so that we've maybe put on or a battery system or electric vehicle and they've come to us and said you know can you have a look at this wind turbine for us we look at it and a lot of them are only off grid um, so it's actually trying to uh, find wind turbines that will work with a grid tied inverter um, to allow it all to be pushed into the home without taking the home off grid um, which is a, another major undertaking so the the, the technology has got to step up a little bit as well with that um, so that the technology and the kits are there for companies like myself to to purchase and to install um, so that we can provide that to our customers. And, and then that, you know, so the whole supply chain then is up and running for us to uh, to then supply all that kit. Do you find it difficult to, to, to gain customers? Because um, I'd say most, let's say domestic installers, for example, most domestic installers, aren't short of work. They've always got a customer that needs a consumer unit upgrade or lights or sockets and that kind of thing. Whereas not everyone has renewable energy. They don't have solar panels. Not everyone has EV charging. I understand it's getting more and more popular, but you find it's it's difficult having that as a business model at, at currently. So um, I would say initially, yes. So we, when I set up Oval, it was actually Oval Electrical Services. And that wasn't because we didn't think we were going to go into renewables. That was basically to get some money coming in. Um, and without that customer base initially, uh, we, we we had to kind of keep ourselves open to doing consumer unit upgrades and, you know, the standard uh, electrical um, things that you would expect from any electrical uh, contractor. We, and then we started to, as we uh, gained some money to reinvest in the company, um, we then... Uh, started to tip the scales from kind of like this side being standard electrical work um, and this side being renewables. We're trying to like 
tip it so that we were trying to phase this side out so we were only only doing renewables work um, and we got to that point and about a year ago we changed uh, the company name to Oval Renewables and kind of really just invested in that side of things um, but it did take time um, and I think with renewables it's it spread out work so if you're looking at going into renewables you want you have to be aware that it's going to involve working all around the country and even in different countries if you want to go that far we've done a we did a battery install in France and it, it, it's traveling all around the country uh, to do this type of work and, and that's why you you've got to try and have a bit of a well a passion in whatever you're doing but to sustain that type of lifestyle uh, with, with traveling around the country doing that type of work you have got to really want to do it um because it isn't it isn't cheap to set up as well there's uh, mcs costs where you get the uh, registration cost and things so you, you do have to really try and invest in doing renewables um but but yeah i mean we do a lot on social media um we don't really do a, any sort of paid advertising with uh, you know in newspapers and things so that i mean this podcast is living proof isn't it that, that the digital the digital age is, is with us and uh you know putting your advert in the yellow pages uh, maybe doesn't work for the well doesn't work for the mass markets anymore it's all instagram facebook linkedin youtube's massive uh, for for businesses now and it's that that i would say to people invest in if you're if you're looking to go into any work really um it's working for us with renewables um and we're, we're really starting to um make moves with getting a really good client uh, base set up there and new inquiries coming in every day so it does take time um, and a lot of effort but if you want it if you want it enough you can definitely do it yeah, yeah. You you're living proof <laughs> well yeah i mean it's, it's nearly killed us but we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're getting there yeah yeah long days but uh we are getting there and, and we absolutely love it every single one of us absolutely loves it um it, but it doesn't take away the days where you're wet through trying to get this solar panel uh job finished and coming down the ladder thinking do i love it this much to be this wet through so, so uh, i suppose it is all it is mainly outdoor work then for you a chunk of it is, yeah, yeah. I mean, myself and the guys, we work incredibly hard to deliver really high quality installs. But um, there are there are those days where you think, oh man, I just love to get this done and get this off this roof. And so it is tough to to always deliver on that. But I think that's the difference. You've got to really want to do this type of work. Um, and like you say, you're in all weathers. Um, and sometimes, actually, the worst weather can be when it's really sunny, which doesn't seem right uh, from a renewables install to say, but when you're uh, on that roof, on a south roof as well, so you, you're literally from being dawn, dawn to dusk, you, you're coming off the roof feeling like you've been battered. You know, you, you're absolutely, um, you're absolutely boiling hot, um, and you've got this solar panel system on. And if you're installing solar in the shade, you're doing something wrong because you shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you are out in all weathers. But as things go on with batteries and 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 other technologies then you do get some inside work as well so what you need to do is if you've got lads working for you or, or girls working for you get them up on the roof doing the the outdoor bit and you can be yeah. inside doing the inverters and that kind of thing yeah that's it well that that used to be how it was when i was yep. uh, when i was employed i'd be doing the inside work but uh yeah i've had to jump onto the roof now um, yeah. but so you can't uh, you can't be scared of you can't be scared of heights if you're in that kind of industry no, no. I mean, we there's there's no jobs that we do without a scaffold, and sometimes that means we don't we don't win the win the work. But a job that a job that we're up against another company that isn't wanting to use a, a full scaffold with edge protection um, isn't isn't a job that we want because it, yeah. it's just not worth me or one of the guys uh, falling off the roof, uh, you know, killing themselves or really hurting themselves to win that job. Uh, it's just not worth it. Um, no. I had this conversation with with a commercial installer on, on, on this series and, and he was saying the same sort of thing, like his price, he's honest about his price, he communicates with his customers about his price. That includes taking the time to make things secure and safe. Because yeah. um, it's, it's not just you and your team, it's, it's people in, in the properties that you're working on yeah. as well. So, you know, you don't yeah. want to be falling off a roof and landing on the, the, the lady coming out of the front door and things like that. So... Yeah, I mean, my biggest my biggest fear is is something falling off the roof, or you know, that be it be it a person or a panel or a rail or whatever, and hurting a kid that's come out or anything like yeah. that. Just really, just play on my mind. So that's why it's just there's you know there's those times where you 
you're up against another company and you really are close to winning the job and the difference would be the scaffold. It's like, nah, you can't do it. Yeah, it's not worth it, is it? No. Nah. So, yeah, you've got to got to be firm with people about that as well. Um, do you need extra qualifications for, for what you're doing? So your, your basic um, basic qualifications that you get from completing your education, do you need, do yeah. you need anything additional to that? Yeah, you do. So you'd need uh, your BPEC uh, solar PV uh, installer, of course. So that's G98 if you want to do uh, domestic and G99 if you want to do commercial. Um, I say commercial, it's anything It's anything over 3.68 kilowatts per phase. Uh, it's, it's classed as G99. Uh, anything under 3.68 kilowatts per phase is G98. Um, so most type people just do both. And then they've got, they've got the ability to do both. Um, now, if it's the same as when I did it, mine's actually um, mine's actually due to expire in the next couple of months because you've got to do it. I think it's every five years, something like that. Um, so mine's due to expire, so I'm booked on to to refresh my courses um, in the coming weeks. But the the initial one, I think, is a five day course. Uh, so it's you know you've got to be there, you've got to be committed to do it, and obviously yeah. to pay for that. Um, but but yeah, about five day course to get the, that all wrapped up and. When I did it, there wasn't really any battery qualifications because uh, no one was fitting batteries really at that side of, uh, that time. It was mainly off-grid uh, that, that people were bit fixed, fitting batteries. But now a lot of the courses have incorporated um, a battery qualification within the G98 and G99 solar installer um, courses. So you might be able to pick up a battery qualification with that as well. Um, and then obviously there's the EV charging qualification if you want to go into EV charging. Um, and but there's other accreditations you need, like the MCS, um, you need to be MCS approved, uh, which is kind of like the governing body for renewables. Uh, and uh, so there's that, which is not necessarily a qualification, but you need to provide those qualifications that you've uh, attained for, for G98 and G99 to, for them to allow you onto the MCS scheme. Um, and there's other things like your public liability has to be allow you to work on roofs uh, as well. Um, so th- there are other, there are things to consider, but uh, but if you want it enough, then you find a way to do it, and you you know you you, you invest in yourself. There's no better person to invest in than yourself uh, and your own company, really. Exactly. Yeah. Do you find that you're mainly doing renewables with domestic customers, or are you also working with commercial, industrial, maybe as well? Yeah, so we, we're kind of set up for domestic mainly um, and small-scale commercial. So we're, we're like I said, we're not a massive, huge team with hundreds of people. With There's four of us. Um, and so to take on, you know, a couple of megawatt solar is, is a step too far for us at the minute. Um, so we, we're taking on um, a lot of domestic and small-scale commercial, maybe up to, you know, 50 kilowatts, something like that. Um, and that's, that's kind of driven through the size of the team. Uh, the sort of where we're at at the minute, like I say, all the renewables is only really just over a year old. Um, even though I've got like over 10 years experience, it's the company itself is only about a year old. Um, and, and and also our experience as well. I come from a, a mainly a domestic slash small scale commercial uh, field. So that, that means that I'm more at home in that, in that type of environment as well. So uh, that's another driving force as to why we, target that area really so um before we finish this episode um like i said we we're always trying to make people aware of the different routes they can take so whether you know an aspiring electrician is thinking about getting into renewables or yeah. someone who's been doing commercial domestic for 10 15 however many years and they fancy change what advice would you give to them who are thinking about jumping ship into into renewables i would the first thing i would say is probably be patient and, and stick at it because and that's the same with anything you know any any sort of area that you want to target in electrics or plumbing or anything you have those days where everything you touch goes south um, and you know people see on our instagram and, and maybe think that every day is perfect and it and it isn't every day is uh every day there are challenges and things that we get over so i would say to anyone that's starting out with their apprenticeship or thinking of jumping ship or have jumped ship and now are thinking what have i done is just be patient and, and just keep sticking at it it will get better as long as you keep investing the time into it um to uh, the time into it to learn the new skills to 
work until two o'clock in the morning to get a proposal out on time, ready for them in the morning. The more you put into it, the more you definitely get out of it. And I can absolutely guarantee that the more you put into it, the, the amount you get out of it is unreal. Uh, and the, 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 the type of opportunities that you get out of um, the time you've invested is great. So I would say be patient and stick at it. If you're a, if you're an apprentice looking at um, starting your apprenticeship with a company, I would say if you can, um, try and go with a company that gets you a, a well-rounded experience. That doesn't necessarily have to be renewables. That, that, that could be just domestic and commercial um, where you, you're getting a, an idea as, right, okay, I really like working on this commercial site, but I, I despise working at Mrs. Smith's house around the corner, you know, fitting sockets. So then you can kind of go, well, actually, I, I think a, a more of a commercial environment is better for me. Um, so try and get with a company that offers you um, a variety of experience um and it's it's a bit cringy but i really enjoy it just try and enjoy it because we spend so much time uh of our lives working that you've yeah. got to enjoy it and try and be passionate about it because otherwise you'll just you, you won't you won't like it and you'll hate it so just try and embrace it and learn the skills and be passionate about it um and and reach out to people if you have any questions we get so many questions on our Instagram and our Facebook and YouTube about the stuff that we're installing. And, and we're in an age now where everybody is very accessible via Twitter and Instagram that if you have any questions about anything, reach out. There's literally not, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Reach out. All, yeah. Why have you put the isolator there? Why, what does that inverter do? And I personally will always try and get those questions answered because I, I remember there was those questions where it was like, why are they, why am I keeping, why am I always seeing them put that switch there? That Why is the isolator always got to be there? And it's usually a simple answer, but it's just having the confidence to yeah. reach out and ask somebody about uh, about why they're doing something. So, so yeah, be patient and stick at it. Try and get a variety of experience. Enjoy it and be passionate about it and reach out to your employer, to people on Instagram or YouTube or Twitter or anything. Um, uh, if you've got any questions on anything um and yeah just really just really try and enjoy it where can our audience um, find you on youtube and social media if they want to watch new videos and content yeah so we're across pretty much everything really um we've even started on tiktok we don't necessarily know exactly how to work it yet but we're we're doing our best um so uh we're on youtube just search for oval renewables facebook search for oval renewables uh instagram same story LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, TikTok. Um, yeah, every every social media you can think of, we're probably on it. Um, and yeah, drop us a follow, drop us a message, anything like that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll try and help as many people as we can if you've got any questions. Brilliant. Sam, I want to thank you for coming on the show today and talking with our audience. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And uh, I'm geeking out a bit because I, I find this kind of stuff really interesting. So uh, it's, yeah, it's been a good one for me. Um, but as we mentioned, we've got plenty of videos in the Job Roots for Electricians mini-series talking to domestic, agricultural, rail, tutors, renewables, everything. So please make sure you like, subscribe, hit the notification button below and to find out more about those videos. So anyway, that's all for today. Sam, thank you again for coming on. Thank you. And thank you all for watching.